in for uh, uh, kids worship if you'll exit out this way real quickly third grade and under oh look at that amen so much energy oh have to uh, let me just uh, express my appreciation for those who've expressed uh, happy birthday to me. Uh, I was asked, uh, what did I want to do uh, for my birthday? And uh, um, the, um, uh, I said, well, I plan to go to church. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to preach twice. And I said, well, I can't think of anything more I would rather do than to be with God's people, our church family, and to uh, uh, preach God's Word. Uh, I love being your pastor. I love you. And I uh, can't think of a better way to uh, spend my birthday. Sixty boxes. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And uh, these are fixing to be shipped out and go all over the world. We're going to track. Uh, uh, June's going to make sure that they get tracked. Last year, our boxes ended up in the Ukraine. And if you remember what was going on in the Ukraine uh, country last year, uh, still going on, uh, what a blessing that is to be able to touch. And I don't know where these will end up, but uh, we want to pray for them. So let's just pause for a moment and pray that God will use these boxes. Father, thank you for everyone who's given every item that has gone into these boxes. I thank you for the heart of your people who want to give in such a way that lives are touched. And I'm so thankful that not only are kids around the world going to receive a gift of, of that at Christmas, but they're also going to hear the gospel message. The gospel message is going to be presented to them. And Father, we thank you for the children over the last several years that this has been done that have been touched with the gospel and come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in their lives. And Father, I pray that you'll take these boxes and send them where you want them that they may be put in the hands of children uh, and that the gospel message might touch their heart in such a way. So, Father, bless and do. And we praise you for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, uh, we're celebrating family today. And as I was thinking about, a lot of times I'll uh, break and, uh, from our study and uh, speak directly uh, to uh, uh, the family, but I didn't want our visitors every time they come to get this uh, similar message. And, and I got to thinking about uh, what we're doing in Revelation, the particular church that we're looking at this week. And I thought it was so appropriate because in the Revelation, we've looked at Ephesus, the distracted church, the church that had left its first love. Uh, we looked at Smyrna, the frontline church who was facing persecution. We looked at the Pergamum, the permissive church who was allowing false teaching. And then we looked at Thyatira, the tolerant church who uh, not only allowed false teaching, but uh, was actually promoting the, the false teaching within uh, the church walls. But today, I want us to look at Sardis, the church on life support. And you say, well, Brother John, how, how is that so important? What we're going to see here is a church that is almost dead. And I want to tell you, we're living in a deadly world, but we don't need dead churches. We need churches that are alive. We need churches because that are alive and vibrant 
because they touch the lives of family. And I'm so glad that every time I look at our preschool class, that I see not only us touching young lives with the gospel message so that they understand as they come to, to understand the, the difference between right and wrong and that they're a sinner, that they also understand that there's a Savior who died on the cross. But not only do those children, not only are they touched, but the parents are also touched. And as a result of that, not only are we seeing uh, numerical growth, but we're also seeing spiritual growth. I uh, think of uh, Donna, and Donna couldn't be here today because of her back. Pray for her. She sent me a message this morning, and uh, she's down with her back. But uh, when we started the uh, new uh, Kids Connection year, uh, she had two. <laughs> she had two, and this past uh, Wednesday night, she had eight uh, I don't know where these first and second graders appeared, but they came out of nowhere. And uh, uh, even though uh, the Kids Connection sent, uh, I think it was uh, six or seven up to the youth, uh, uh, all of a sudden more kids are showing up. And uh, so we need a church that is alive. And I'm so glad for the things that I see that show that our church here at Poplar Springs is alive. Let me just remind you where Sardis is. If you think of a circle going there, remember this uh, yellow part is Turkey, and uh, we have seen Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, and Thyatira, and now you drop down to the south, we come to Sardis. Sardis was a, a, a city that, that was really on a hill that uh, had natural boundaries uh, around it, natural fortress around it on three sides. There was only one direction that people could come and attack that city. It was a protected city, a city that didn't really have a whole lot of notoriety, but like other cities in Asia Minor, they worshipped pagan gods. And this is uh, the... the, the, the the city, the surroundings that this church was facing when Jesus sends his message from Revelation 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 this morning. To the angel, and we understand that that's the messenger, that is the pastor there at the church in Sardis. He says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, He who has the seven spirits of God... Now, we were introduced to that from Revelation chapter 1. We saw how that, that goes back to Isaiah and how that this is referring to the Holy Spirit of God. The number 7 here we usually understand to be the number of complete and perfection. is saying the perfect Spirit of God. He's saying, listen, the one who has the perfect Spirit, the Holy Spirit... The one who uh, is, is not only God himself as the Son, but also has the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and folks, we have to remind ourselves, it's so easy, it's so easy for us to try to do things, even at church, in the, our own power. And we have to be reminded time and time again that the power that we need to be uh, enforcing in our own lives and in our own ministries is the power of the Spirit. And so what Jesus is saying, the power to live, the power to show yourself alive in the community is the Spirit of God. 
God, the Holy Spirit. And so he says, not only is this the one who has the, the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, do you remember the stars in chapter 1? In the hand of Jesus, actually in the right hand of Jesus. And he says, in the seven stars are what? The messengers of the seven churches, the pastors of the seven churches. They are in his hand. And I think God's reminding this particular pastor at Sardis, what he's fixing to say, he says, listen, I still have you in my hand. Things may be bleak where you are, where you're serving. He says, but I still have you in my right hand. And that so he comes and says, and says, listen, this is what you want to say. This, this is the one God himself speaking to you. You write this down and send it to the pastor. Now this letter went to Ephesus. It went to all the different churches. And, and then finally arrives here at Sardis. And this is what he says, I know your deeds. Now doesn't that sound familiar? Each one of the churches so far, Jesus says, I know. I know what's going on. I see what's happening. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus can look down at the Poplar Springs Baptist Church and say, I know. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing in Kids Connection. I see what's happening in your youth ministry. I see what's happening in the, the music ministry. I, I see what God is doing in different lives. I'm so glad we were able to start back our young adult Sunday school class this morning. We had five in attendance this morning, uh, not counting me. And, and I'm so glad that... Uh, uh, we have built a structure of ministry for our kids. We have built a structure of ministry for our youth. And because Daniel, where's Daniel at? He was here earlier. Uh, he was had, had, had to work. So he was here for Sunday school. <laughs> he was here for Sunday school and then had to work today. And, and because he graduated, he came through our youth. He came through all those programs. And now we need to build a structure for young adults. And so we're busy building structure for young adults. Not only because Daniel came into it, but because we see families with preschoolers who are bringing their preschoolers here because of the ministry here. They're coming and they have needs of ministry also. And so he says, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. He says, you give a... You give the appearance on the outside, everything looks fine. People pass by, they see, see the, the building there, they see that you meet, but he says on the inside, in truth, spiritually, you're dead. Oh, I hope Jesus never points to Poplar Springs Baptist Church and says, Listen, you have an appearance of being busy, but on the inside, you are dead. Let me just give you some uh, reasons why I know that we are not dead, that we're alive. Last year, in the association, we were tied for third with Shiloh Baptist Church for baptisms in the association with 14 baptisms last year. Amen? I mean, if we can't say amen, something's happening when 14 people of different ages come to know Christ and they follow the Lord Jesus in believer's baptism, that is something to say, hey, we're alive. And then when I think about the, the very fact of, of your giving spirit, being cheerful givers, 
Sunday after Sunday, it seems like we ask you to give, to not only give your tithes and offerings but to the church, but then to give to different things. Today, we're going to ask for each one of these packages needs $7 to ship it. And so that's $420 that we're going to need, that we're going to ask you for. And the thing is, is when I ask, I know it's going to happen. Why? Because, because God has moved on your heart to be generous, and you have found that when you're generous, that God continues to be generous to you also. You don't do it because of that, but God continues to give you so that you can give. Folks, that's a sign that... I believe that we're alive. <laughs> we're alive. He says, listen. You have the appearance of being alive, but you're dead. But folks, I want to tell you, most mainline denominations today are dead. The reason they are dead is that they have rejected that this, the Word of God, is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. And it's to guide us in every area of our lives. They've rejected it as being that. And as a result of that, they have rejected the very authority of God. Not only in the way that God has set up the authority in church, but also how God has set up the authority in the family. As a result... There are churches, cathedrals, humongous buildings that are pointing to the sky, pointing to God, look magnificent. As you pass by, you'd say, wow. But on the inside, they're empty. Why? Because they've given up the Word of God, the very power. They don't have the very presence of the Holy Spirit, God, in there because they have rejected His authority. They appear to be alive, but they are dead. And so he says, listen, wake up. Did, did not what we see happen on Friday in Paris, did that not wake us up? Did that not stir you in some way to pray did it not stir you in some way to say, I need to do some preparation in some way? It did in my heart. And I prayed for, for those. And, and as I'm seeing pictures of, of those who, who died in this terrible act of terrorism, most of them are young people. And I'm kind of going, they went out into eternity. Many of them, based on what I see of their lifestyle, was, was without Christ. Besides the terrorists who believe in such a false teaching, who are blowing themselves up, thinking that they're going to wake up in a heaven, thinking that they're going to wake up with, with the blessing of God, and they're going to wake up in hell for all eternity. He says, wake up. Because, folks, what we're doing as a church is serious business is a serious thing. We're talking about the balance of life and eternity. Whether people spend life and eternity in heaven or whether they spend life and eternity in hell. 
the Pew Charitable Trust does a survey each year, and they came out this week saying that 73% of the people in the United States believe there's a heaven. Now, folks, there's not that many people going to church. <laughs> what this is saying is that there are those people that are now called the knowns, which means that they have no preference religiously. Even they believe that there's a heaven. What's amazing is, is that, that some 63% believe that there's a hell. Now, folks, I don't know how people can believe there's a heaven and not believe there's a hell. Some, teach, some denominations teach that, that there's no hell. Seventh-day Adventist, by the way. There's no eternal, in, in their doctrine, there's no eternal uh, place of abode called hell. How can people, Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46 put heaven and hell in the same verse. You can't believe one without the other. You can't believe in the glory of heaven and then deny the truth of hell. And so we need to understand, he says, wake up. This is serious, what's happening, what we are doing. We don't just have kids' connections so we can entertain kids. No, we woke up and said, listen, we need to do something to make a difference in the world in which we've been placed. What a joy it is to see these young people give their lives to Christ. Oh, what a joy to talk to them and hear how where we've been teaching them about Jesus, them being able to tell me in their own words what they believe in their own heart. Oh, what joy that brings. We need to wake up because what we are doing is, is impactful. By the way, one of the reasons I know that we are alive as a church is that we send people out. Some of you saw the post we counted up over the last seven years. Nine different mission trips now. Forty-six different people have been on our mission trips. Gone to a place like Logan, gone into a, a public school and taught people about Jesus through Vacation Bible School. We've done that all across West Virginia. We've been to Haiti. Now we've gone and we've helped another church take another step. You see, when a, when a church dies, when a church starts dying, they turn in on themselves. They become consumed with doing everything for themselves instead of turning out. You see, the, Jesus sent the church to go out. So you have to be careful. See, we are, as a church, are to be on mission. The mission of the Great Commission to tell the gospel to the whole world, beginning in Jerusalem, and then Samaria, and Judea, and then uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are to be missioned, but if we're not careful, if we turn our attention to ourselves inside, we start thinking about the memories of the good old days. Tell you what, 
The memories of the good old days aren't quite as good as we, we make them out sometimes. I remember being a boy. I remember having good memories in there, but I also remember we didn't have air conditioning. But we start, we move from missions to memories if we're not careful. And we think on the memories so much that, that we cherish them and we want to recognize them and we turn into a museum where we look at our stained glass, we look at our building and we think that is more important than the ministry. If we don't watch out, we'll move from missions to memories to be in a museum to be in a mausoleum. A grave for the dead. He says, listen, wake up, wake up, and strengthen the things that remain. There are churches that are struggling. There are churches who, who have had to come to a point and say, listen, we need to wake up. We need to take what we, we have while we still have something and start doing something with the Lord. And folks, I want to tell you, any church that will take what they have and do, God will bless. Tell you, I'm amazed every time I listen to our worship choir. It's almost like the little boy that came with the fishes and the, the bread and said, here, what can you do with this? So wonderful to see the few that give themselves to sing and God has blessed. I was listening to them practice last week and I go, wow. It's not because they are doing it. It's because God is doing it through them. He says, listen, take that which remains, which are about to die, for I have found you your deeds uh, complete in the sight of God. I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. In other words, he says, there is more that you can do. Does not the Bible say, nothing's impossible with God? Even the hardest person, Jesus was talking about the rich coming to know Jesus Christ, that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, which is impossible, by the way, than for the rich to come into the kingdom. And the disciple says, well, then what's the, what's the purpose? What's the use? He says, listen, it may be impossible because of, of, of men's power, but with the power of God, everything is possible. Folks, I want to tell you, whatever God wants us to attempt, whatever God wants us to do, nothing is impossible with God. Because I can do all things, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so he says, get up, go, do, because there's plenty more. I have found your deeds incomplete in the sight of God. Folks, I'm so glad of the things that we can, we can talk about today, the signs that we're alive. But folks, I want to tell you, there's more that we can do. It says, so remember what you have received and heard. And keep it and repent. It says, the reason, what you do when you wake up, the way that you turn around, he says, listen, you remember what you have received and heard. Remember what you've been taught. Remember what, what's in the Scripture. Now I remember it, but what? Keep it. Keep it. Do it. Do it. 
and repent. Can I remind you that repentance is, is remembering what you've received and heard and doing it, turning. Turning from what you're doing to turning to what God wants you to do. He says, therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and will no, not know at what hour I will come to you. Jesus reminded the disciples, he said, listen, when I come, I'm going to come at a time, it's going to be like a thief coming. He's not going to tell you, he's not going to announce that he's going to come, it's going to surprise you. Well, folks, I, I, I'm, I, I'm glad I don't know what time Jesus is going to return. I just want to be ready when he returns. He says, be ready, in other words. Wake up, because when I come, I'm going to come like a thief in the night, and, and you're not going to be ready. And so, verse 4, he says, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not sold their garments. He says, while there are many who are dead, who are not believing in the inspired Word of God, they don't trust God. He says, you have a few people who have not sold their garments, in other words, have not gone in that direction, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, folks, what Jesus is teaching here, he says, listen, there are people who are white pure because of the cleansing of Jesus' blood and the righteousness that Jesus gives as a result of that. And he says, he who overcomes, do you remember what overcomers are? He's used this every time. Let me remind you. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes? the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God and so those of us who have believed those who have trusted Jesus Christ we're overcomers and he says this will thus be clothed in white garments folks we are stained with our sin but Jesus cleanses us there's a day that we're going to ride in his army and the indications are we're going to be clothed in white not because of what we did but because of what Jesus did and he says, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Wow. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I believe that at the beginning, God put everybody's name because it was his will, is what he, he desired. What he was hoping, what he was wanting to happen was everybody to come to know him. And so he put everybody's name in the book of life. And when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, we have the promise that he is not going to blot or take our name out. See, there are those who, who don't receive Christ, who reject Him and die and go out into eternity and God has to blot their name. He wanted them to be in the book of life. He wanted them to have eternal life. But here's the assurance. He will not. Those who are overcomers, those who believe in the name of the Son of God, will not, their name will not be erased. Folks, I want to tell you, God wrote John Garnett Howell down in the book of life. 
And because I believed in Jesus Christ at the age of 17, I want to tell you I have the assurance of knowing that God will never take his eraser and erase my name. I'm so glad that my, secure, my, my salvation is secured for eternity. Is your name there? your name there you have that assurance of knowing that your name is in the book of life and it will not be erased and it says and i will confess his name before my father and before his angels jesus said to his disciples he says listen if you will confess me before men i will confess you before the father if you won't confess me before men, I will not confess you before the Father. I'm so glad as a believer because of the change that happens because of what Jesus Christ has done. I'm able to proclaim not only to you, but to the whole world what has happened that Jesus has saved me. And thus I know Jesus will profess me before the Father. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. For nothing can separate me. Nothing high, nothing wide can separate me from the love of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so he says, I'll confess him before the Father. And then he says, who he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's saying to Sardis, those who were dead, those who were on life support, he's saying, wake up, wake up. Wake up before it's too late. Do you hear what the Spirit is saying? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Is it there permanently because you've come to Christ? If not, you should come to Him this very day. Let's pray. Father, in these moments I pray that Your Holy Spirit will move in our midst in such a way Remind us who we are as a church. That we're to be vibrant and alive and moving and on mission. And Father, there may be someone here today that the Holy Spirit said, Listen, you're dead spiritually. You need to be quick and you need to be made alive through Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray they would come and have a moment of repentance and faith and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, calling out to Him. Believing that He came, He lived a perfect life, paid for our sins on Calvary's cross, was buried and arose again on the third day. And Father, I pray they'll come and submit themselves to Him, give their lives to Him. Father, You may have touched and spoken to other people, some who may need to come and kneel here at the altar, decisions that they've already made that they need to make public. Father, I pray that they would come. We pray this in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to move out for God, if you need to come to the Lord Jesus, you come. If you need to come and kneel and pray, you come right now.